Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Joshua assisting me today. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called Paralyzed by the Past, brothers and sisters. Today we will show how the enemy uses the power of shame as a sedative to induce us into a spiritual paralysis, brothers and sisters. Shame is an emotion that will keep you forever shackled to the past. It will prevent you from rising up to fulfill your God-given destiny, brothers and sisters. Satan loves to attack. The first place he attacks is the mind, brothers and sisters. The mind is the battlefield. Paralyzed by the past, we're going to start at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing was also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Read that again, brother. Let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily best us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, the Bible likens this life, brothers and sisters, the life of a believer to a race, to a marathon, brothers and sisters. So it says, it says, let us lay aside every weight. What is this talking about? Something that will weigh you down. Brothers and sisters, shame produced by guilt is such a heavy burden, brothers and sisters. It's something that will hold you back from gaining top speed, brothers and sisters. It's one of the most humiliating, weighty burdens that a person can carry. So it tells you, let us, let us lay aside every weight and sin that easily do beset us. What is that talking about? That easily sidetracks us, that gets us, you know, off the mark, brothers and sisters. So shame... Is life dominating and stubborn? And once entrenched in our heart and mind, it is a squatter that refuses to leave, brothers and sisters. Shame. That's that's the dialogue today, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother Joshua. Verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily best us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Right. The sin is what besets us, brothers and sisters. It's the sin. And shame is one of those things that holds us back, brothers and sisters. Shame is one of the things, one of those weights that keep us from crossing the finish line, brothers and sisters. So we need to deal with this weighty burden of shame. We're going to go to 1 John 3 and 19, brothers and sisters. Actually, we're going to go before that. We're going to go to Psalms 38 and 4. Let's go there first, Brother Joshua. Follow us to the Tanakh, brothers and sisters. Psalms 38 and 4. Psalms 38, verse 4. For mine iniquities are gone over my head. Read that again, brother. For my iniquities are gone over my head. As in heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. As what? As a heavy burden, they are, they are too heavy for me. Examine them, brothers and sisters. Guilt. Is one of the most crippling diseases amongst people today. The Bible is showing you that the weight of long-held guilt and shame can crush us if we allow it, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, Brother Joshua. Verse 4, For my iniquities are gone over mine head, as a heavy burden they are too heavy for me. See? They show you that it's heavy. It's a heavy burden, brothers and sisters. The shame that comes with the sin, brothers and sisters. The things that we are ashamed of. Now, I want to be clear. Before we beat guilt up too much, let us remember that guilt for the most part is very 
constructive, brothers and sisters. If you utilize it correctly, it's, it's constructive. It's like an electric fence that gives us, gives us a jolt when we begin to stray beyond the boundaries. We're going to show you what we mean, brothers and sisters, that guilt can be constructive. Let's go to 1 John 3 and 19. We're going to the New Testament. 1 John, brothers and sisters. 1 John 3, verse 19. And hereby we know that we are we are of the truth. One second, brother. Let's get some context here. Uh, let's see. Give me a second here. Actually, you're good there. Let's read 1 John 3 and 19. Verse 19. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us. Read that again. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. And knoweth all things. Examine that if our heart condemn us. So it's showing that feeling conviction when we see when we sin is a good and healthy, a godly response, brothers and sisters. It's an indication that you're not living your best life, brothers and sisters. It tells you we know we are of the truth. Why? Because when we sin or we transgress, our heart condemn us. Read verse twenty one more time, brother. Verse twenty. For if our heart condemn us. God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. Right, so our moral conscience convicting our heart, brothers and sisters, is showing the side effects or the symptoms of sin. Now, if you can just do dirt, and then, you know, <laughs> and you're good after that, they're not showing you. You're nowhere near Christ. Christ is nowhere in you. Some brothers can go commit a crime, you know, go murder a brother and then go drink a beer after that. <laughs> Some brothers, you know, go cheat out on their girlfriend or their wife and then, you know, you know, go smoke with ganja after that. It's like, brother, how are you living with that? Your heart, I mean, <laughs> read that again, brother, verse 21. Verse 21, beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. See, so it's good for your heart to condemn you, brothers and sisters, and let you know it's an alarm that that was not right, brothers and sisters. So that part is good. Now, what you do what you do with this conviction or spirit of guilt and shame means all the difference between failure and success. Because if you feel it, that's letting you know, okay, that wasn't right. Let me go apologize. You've ever felt that when you've done something wrong and then you feel the father saying, go back, apologize. That was wrong. That's your heart condemning you, letting you know it's not right. Why? Because we're created in God's image. So you know right from wrong, brothers and sisters. Even if it's not an actual commandment, you feel it within your heart. And if you don't, that's because you belong to Satan, brothers and sisters. So we needed to show you that guilt or, or, or shame, feeling that shame, that conviction rather, in your heart is good, brothers and sisters, if you utilize it correctly. Now, if you don't feel that conviction, if you could just do dirt all through life and feel no guilt, then that's a problem too. And you need to examine that. You need to get... Somewhere close to the Most High God because you're nowhere near him right now. We're going to prove prove that. We're going to Psalms chapter 119 verse 67. Brothers and sisters, please follow us. Psalms 119 and 67. Psalms 119 verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Read that again, brother. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Examine that. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, brothers and sisters. So the sin is what leads to the affliction or the conviction. 
See, read that again, brother. Verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. I went astray. But now I have kept thy word. See, so if it, if listen, conviction that leads to change is a good thing, brothers and sisters. Shame that leads to change is a beautiful thing, brothers and sisters. When our conscious mind, excuse me, when our conscious mind, when we have willingly submitted to God's law, now we have the capacity to feel what? Spiritual hurt. Read verse 71, brother. Verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. See, so examine that, brothers and sisters. Examine that. It's good for me to feel that conviction because that will lead me back to your law, statutes, and commandments. So we cultivate and maintain the ability to feel spiritual pain in order to move us away from behavior that endangers us, brothers and sisters. See? So shame that provokes change is a glorious thing. Read verse 67 again, brother. Verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Read 71, brother. Verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. See? So you should learn from that conviction that you feel or that shame that you feel, brothers and sisters. You don't wallow in that shame. You learn from that shame and say, I never want to feel that. I disappointed the Most High God. I never want to feel that again. See? That should provoke change, brothers and sisters. You, you can't wallow in this, woe is me, woe is this, woe is that. No, listen, I messed up there. I felt disappointed in myself. I never want to feel that again. I'm going to learn the statutes. I'm going to become more disciplined, brothers and sisters. So if you use shame properly, <laughs> if you use the shame properly, if you use the conviction properly, you grow, you, you develop spiritually, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you Ecclesiasticus and the Apocrypha. 4 and 21, there's a couple ways in which you can use this sin, uh, excuse me, this shame, brothers and sisters. Follow us to Ecclesiasticus 4 and 21. Ecclesiasticus 4, verse 21. For there is a shame that bringeth sin, and there is a shame which is glory and grace. See, so examine that, brothers and sisters. Shame properly used can be an asset because it's a signal to us that we've done something wrong, giving us an opportunity to confess. When it says it bring of sin, why? Because our shame usually keeps us away from the Most High God. So the kind of shame we often experience is a potent combination of failure and pride and natural instinct, which is to suppress, to hide it, and allow it to separate us from the Most High God, brothers and sisters. How are you going to use this shame? How are you going to use this? Are you going to use it for glory and grace, or are you going to allow it to separate you from the Most High God? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 21. For there, is no, for there is a shame that bringeth sin, and there is a shame which is glory and grace. Right. Now we're going to show you how you use this shame. Usually, traditionally, brothers and sisters, when we do something where we're guilty and it brings that feeling of shame over us, this is usually what we do, what Adam and Eve did. We separate ourselves. We hide from the Most High God. We're going to show you. That's the shame that bringeth sin. Let's go to Genesis 3 and 7, brothers Joshua. We're going to the beginning. Genesis 3, verse 7. One second, brother. Let's actually get some... Uh, we're talking about here, after Adam and Eve have now partaken in this fruit, brothers and sisters. What happens? Verse 7. And the eyes of them were both... Oh, were op Take your time. Verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together. 
and made themselves aprons. Continue. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They did what? Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Examine that. See, so usually we have this same instinct to hide ourselves, brothers and sisters. This is what we usually do. Adam and Eve's reaction to their sin demonstrates that sin destroys innocence, brothers and sisters. You see, it said their eyes were open. It said their eyes were open. Read that one more time, brother, from the top, please. Verse 7, and the eyes of them were both, and the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Now it said that their eyes were open, brothers and sisters. So what? The knowledge of good and evil is what brings shame. (laughs) Examine that, brothers and sisters. Once you lose the innocence through sin, now your eyes are open. That's what actually brings the shame. And because we're full of sinful pride, we are ashamed of our failures and weaknesses. And we will go to almost any length to hide them, brothers and sisters. This means pride-fueled shame can wield great power over us, brothers and sisters. Read verse 9, brother. Verse 9. And the Lord called on Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked, and I hid myself. See, so examine that, brothers and sisters. Examine that. This shame controls significant parts of our lives and consumes precious energy and time, avoiding exposure, brothers and sisters. See? So now you're using your energy to avoid the exposure instead of engaging it, brothers and sisters. See? So hiding is our go-to coping skill to guard ourselves against the pain of disapproval and or judgment, brothers and sisters. That's what this is showing you. This is usually our natural inclination is to hide ourselves, brothers and sisters, when we feel shame based on our sin. So we already showed there's a shame that bringeth sin and there's a shame that lead to glory and grace, brothers and sisters. This is that shame that leads to sin because you're, you're allowing it to separate you from the Most High God. Look at, look at how they hid themselves, brothers and sisters. And that's the same thing we do. Brothers and sisters, we're going to Ecclesiasticus 32 and 17 to show you when you hide from the Most High. It's for a particular reason. When you're shamed and you go hide, read, brother. Ecclesiasticus 32 verse 17. A sinful man will not be reproved, but findeth an excuse according to his will. Examine that. It said, not a man who has sinned, but a sinful man. There's a difference, brothers and sisters. <laughs> this means that you're probably going to continue in this wickedness if you're about to find an excuse. Read that again, brother. Verse 17. A sinful man will not be reproved, but findeth an excuse according to his will. See? So if you are going to... You know, if you were going to engage your sin, if you were going to confess your sin, you would not hide, brothers and sisters. That's what we're showing you. And you can't heal what you can't own, brothers and sisters. See, so when you hide, what are you trying to do? You're trying to tranquilize the guilt instead of dealing with it. You're compounding the problem now because you're too prideful to repent. See, read that again, brother. Verse 17, a sinful man will not be reproved. But findeth an excuse according to his will. Findeth an excuse. So usually those 
who after they transgress or sin, they go away from the Most High to hide. It's because there's some pride there, brothers and sisters, and they're not going to admit, they're not going to take accountability or responsibility, brothers and sisters, for their transgression. And we're going to show you. We already saw that Adam and Eve hid. Why did they hide? Because they're getting ready to find an excuse according to their will. We're going to show you. Go back to Genesis, brother. We're going to go to Genesis 3 and 8. We're going to read 8 through 13, brothers and sisters. Genesis 3, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called on Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I command thee that thou shouldest not eat? Right, so who told you you was naked? Did you eat from that tree? Now, remember, brothers and sisters, usually when your parents ask you a question, they already have the answer. Always know that, brothers and sisters. You know, and I want Christian pastors to know that too. When an Israelite come to you and ask you a question, <laughs> they probably know the answer, sir. We're just trying to see the integrity of your heart. So we already know the answer. It wouldn't be fair for us to let you believe that you're talking to some uneducated people. When we ask you a question, pastor, we already have the answer. So really what you're about to do is show your integrity by your answer. Now read that again, brother. Verse 11. Verse 11. And he said... Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Whereof I command thee that thou should not eat. And the man said, The woman who thou gave to be with me. What? He said what? The woman whom thou gave to be with me. She gave me of the tree. And I did eat. See? So when you hide, brothers and sisters, it's because you haven't matured enough to accept accountability. See? So Adam hid first. And when he was found out, he started blaming someone else. Brothers and sisters, examine that. He said, the, well, the woman you gave me. <laughs> See? So when you hide, that means when the Most High do get with you, you're going to rationalize it. You're going to justify it. See? So examine that, brothers and sisters. Examine that. Usually when you hide, it's because you have an excuse already. You need some time to come up with an excuse when you finally get confronted. Read that again, brother. Verse 12, And the man said, the woman who thou gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. See, so look at this, brothers and sisters. Now she's blaming. <laughs> now she's blaming, brothers and sisters. This is what happens. This is what you're showing when you hide, brothers and sisters. You must turn your guilt into responsibility, brothers and sisters. First... By acknowledging and admitting we have committed sin. And then by repenting, changing, and overcoming our wrong ways. See? So the initial step to overcoming sin is to humble our hearts and accept our guilt. See, brothers and sisters? You think too highly of yourself. Listen, you're a man. You're a woman. You're going to make mistakes. There isn't a man or, or woman walking around that haven't made mistakes. So you're trying to cover this up from being exposed it's showing two things. It's showing your shame and it's showing your pride. It said a sinful man or woman will make an excuse. This is what Adam and Eve were doing. You making that excuse leads me to believe that you'll continue in this disobedience. Sisters, think about it. A brother do something, uh, you know, break the, 
the rules of the commitment of the relationship, and then he blame it on alcohol. <laughs> that that's what make you matter now. That's gonna now make you matter instead of acknowledging what you did, saying there was no excuse for it. I made a mistake. No, now you're blaming it on, on something else. So examine that, brothers and sisters. Same thing we teach children. We teach our children, listen, fess up to what you did. Don't make an excuse because as you make an excuse, I get angrier. <laughs> the more you make excuses, I get angrier. See, accountability, brothers and sisters, especially for the men. I've, you know, the most I have shown me that I must take accountability in every facet of life, brothers and sisters. I always take accountability. That's the first thing. First thing you do is say you were wrong. And then if you want to explain it all, then after you acknowledge you were wrong first. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That was my fault. That was a mistake. Uh, I was not thinking clearly. What really happened was this. Don't go into it explaining it off right away. First acknowledge your part. See? So that's the initial step to overcoming this sin is to humble our hearts. The pride to show you a sinful man or woman will not only hide but make an excuse once they're confronted. See? So you don't hide, brothers and sisters, because that's just showing that your next step, once you're confronted, is to make an excuse. Because if you were if you were ready to take accountability, why did you hide? <laughs> why did you hide? You must take that guilt or shame and turn it into a responsibility, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Proverbs 28 and 13. That should be fuel to be better. Proverbs 28. And 13, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Read that again, brother. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confess and forsake them shall have mercy. See, somebody who try to cover their sin shall not prosper. What is this scripture saying? It's telling you transparency is not a sign of weakness, but of strength, brothers and sisters. There is power in transparency and confession. And to live that route is to live in strength, brothers and sisters. Sisters can tell you, you probably made a mistake in the past and then you own that mistake and it can no longer be used against you because you were forthcoming with it. Yeah, I did that. I was not in my right mind. I made a mistake. I've turned away from that and that's it. See, that's how you deal with situations. When you know you've done something wrong, you confess it. You put it on the table. You confront it, brothers and sisters. You don't hide it because you hiding it, trying to hide from exposure. You're using a lot of energy. And that's the only thing on your mind is trying to hide whatever it is, you know, that you're trying to keep concealed. Read that again, brother. Verse 13, verse 13, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confess and forsake them shall have mercy. Go directly to the father and not just with the father. If you've done something to somebody else and you try to cover it, you will not prosper. You confront it. Say, father, I, you know, I know what you said was wrong. And for some reason, I did it still, and I'm ashamed, and I ask you to forgive me. And the best, listen, brothers and sisters, the best repentance is what? <laughs> it's changed behavior. Not just, you know, not just saying it, but you must confess it, brothers and sisters. Confess it, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you that's how you take the toxicity out of the shame is by confessing it with your mouth. We're going to go to Psalms 32 and 5. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Stand in the, uh, the Tanakh. Psalms 32, verse 5. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. Read that again, brother. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, 
and my iniquity have I not hid. Examine that. Guilt must be confronted and dealt with. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgaveth the iniquity of my sin. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Confess our transgressions to the Father, and he will forgive our iniquity. He will forgive our sin, brothers and sisters. Read verse 3, brother. Verse 3. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day all the day long. Read that again, brother. Verse 3. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Examine that. Guilt is only dispelled when truth is told, brothers and sisters. If we don't deal with our guilt, then our guilt will deal with us. It starts to burden our conscience. Look at it. It said, when I kept my silence, before I confessed it, as I tried to hide it, my bones waxed old. See, it was a burden, brothers and sisters. Read verse 4, brother. Verse 4. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of the summer. So this is showing you unconfessed sin separates us from the Most High God. It drives a wedge in our relationship with our Maker. Brothers and sisters, read 3 and 4 one more time, brother. Verse 3. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of the summer. Thy hand was heavy upon me. That's that burden, brothers and sisters. See? That's the burden of unconfessed sin, brothers and sisters. Even in a relationship. If you're in a relationship with a brother or a sister, and you, I mean... You make a mistake, confront that mistake, brothers and sisters. Don't, don't try to defend the mistake because that's showing your sinfulness. You'll make an excuse. Don't excuse it. There is no excuse. I, I flat out was wrong. There's no excuse for it. It won't happen again. Somebody has to accept that because if you won't accept that, what else you want? Blood? <laughs> because some people won't accept a, a, a confession. Sometimes they just want blood, brothers and sisters. But it's on you to confess what you've done. That way, that burden is lifted off of you, brothers and sisters. That's how you tranquilize that guilt, brothers and sisters. You don't try to change the narrative and try to spin it to make it more palatable. You acknowledge it, brothers and sisters. The honesty has to be respected. The humility has to be respected. We're going to show you. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10, brothers and sisters. We're going to the New Testament. Please follow us. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. Read that again. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Examine them, brothers and sisters. See, that godly sorrow. See? See? Your troubles either make you better or they make you bitter, brothers and sisters. See? So guilt that provokes a change in behavior is a powerful thing. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time. Verse 10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. See, the sorrow of the world, that unconfessed, <laughs> that unconfessed guilt, that unconfessed shame, brothers and sisters. So the question is, are you paralyzed by the guilt or are you fueled by the guilt? How are you going to utilize it? You have to become strong-minded and disciplined, brothers and sisters. You must use your shortcomings as a fuel to continue working and to progress, to become more disciplined, brothers and sisters. Need you to examine that, that godly sorrow. See, there's godly sorrow <laughs> that work repentance. 
And repentance begins in what? Change of behavior. But there's that other sorrow, that depressious sorrow. Why? Because it's unconfessed. Why does it say work of death? Because separation from God is what? Death, brothers and sisters. Remember, he told Adam and Eve they would die. Did they die that day? No. But they were separated from God that day. That's a spiritual death, brothers and sisters. See? So you have the choice on how do you utilize this shame, this guilt, this sorrow, brothers and sisters. Use it for fuel. We're going to 1 John 1 and 9, brothers and sisters. 1 John. 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sin. Read that again. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our, us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brothers and sisters, you must confess the sin. And we're talking about with your mouth, brothers and sisters. A lot of times we don't confess with our mouth. We, we do it in our head, you know. <laughs> you have to confess it with your mouth, brothers and sisters. There's power. Our words have supernatural power. Power that changes circumstances and shapes destinies, brothers and sisters. So this is telling you what? This is telling us confession is a vital part of our spiritual growth as believers, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, Brother Joshua. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See? So you must confess. You don't confess if you go high. See? There's shame that work of repentance. Or there's shame that leads to death. And there's shame that leads to glory and grace. That grace is from what? <laughs> you transgress and now... You're at his mercy. See, that's usually what it is. You don't want to be vulnerable to his mercy, to his judgment, rather. See, if you confess it, that means you acknowledge what you've done is wrong. And now you have to be subject to whatever his judgment is. See, that's where the pride come in, brothers and sisters. See, yeah, I did wrong, but I don't want to confess it because I don't want to deal with whatever his judgment is. When you've already sinned. So the least you can do is admit it. And say, Father, I'll receive whatever your punishment is because I deserve it. I was wrong. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this has to be done with your physical mouth, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Proverbs 18 and 21 to show you. This has to be done not in your head and not however else people try to do it and, and change the narrative. and No. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Read that again, brother. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Examine that. The right words at the right time can be helpful, healing, and life transforming, brothers and sisters. Our words are a great indicator of our hearts before the Most High God. You must form those words with your lips, brothers and sisters. See? Because why? It does something psychologically it takes off that burden, that weight, because why you actually said it, brothers and sisters. There's been people who, um, you know, maybe had been molested in the past and they kept it in and they started tearing them up inside out. Once they actually acknowledged it, once they actually said it out loud, the healing began. So listen, confession acknowledges that we have offended him, that we have dishonored him, that we have disobeyed him, brothers and sisters, and this must be done with physical words. Read that again, brother. Verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. How do we know that how powerful words are? What if the woman that you love told you, you know, I found someone else. I, I've moved on. How, how would that hurt? Would that hurt? Exactly. That show you the power of words. What if the man that you wanted to be with said, you know, I, I've outgrown this. To show you the power. That would rip your heart out. To show you the power in words. What if the woman or the man that you're looking to be with, that you're trying to form a relationship, says, I love you. See how powerful words can be, brothers and sisters? So don't downplay the power of words if you can't confess it with your mouth. Once again, what is it showing? It's magnifying your your arrogance, your smugness, your confidence towards the Most High God that you can't even form it with your mouth. See? So confession, brothers and sisters, confession. We're talking about being paralyzed by the past. In order to, to... not allow your past to put you in a spiritual state of paralysis, you must address it. You must confess it, brothers and sisters. We're going to Isaiah 55 and 7. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Isaiah 55, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God... For he will abundantly pardon. So examine this. Just because pride moves us to hide our shame in the wrong place doesn't mean that our instinct to hide is completely wrong. We're going to show you. Read that again, brother. Verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. And let him what? Return unto the Lord. And let him what? Return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our and to our God. He will abundantly pardon. Examine this, brothers and sisters. Return to the Most High. See? You don't run from the Most High. You run to the Most High, brothers and sisters. See? So your instinct to hide is not completely gone awry, but you have to hide in the right place. You don't separate yourself from the Most High God. You run to the Most High God. You draw nigh under His mercy. But a lot of times when we know we're wrong, We don't want to be vulnerable to his judgment, brothers and sisters. Realize that part of judgment is mercy, brothers and sisters. Did you realize that? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. See, our God will abundantly pardon. If you confess, if you return. See? That's that trick that Satan is telling you. You need to go hide. You need to hide. You, you're shame. You're not. You're unworthy. Go hide away from the Most High. The Most High is saying, "Come to me, confess. I'll have mercy on you. If you come back and you repent, I will forgive you." See, so that's Satan playing tricks on your mind, telling you to hide from the Most High God when the Most High God has always been merciful. We're going to show you. You return to the Most High. Go to Psalms 32 and 7, brother. Psalms 32, verse 7. Thou art my hiding place. Read that again, brother. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with song of deliverance. Examine this, brothers and sisters. See? So our natural instinct is to hide from the presence of the Most High. When humility leads us to hide in the presence of the Most High. 
We are to go to him immediately in repentance and show contrition, brothers and sisters. So the scripture is telling us exchange hiding our sins for a hiding place in the sin cover. Why are we bringing this up? Because a lot of times people won't come to the most high God because they're ashamed of their past. Brothers and sisters. Well, I used to be a drug dealer. I can't, you know, I can't go to my family with this word. They're going to think I'm a hypocrite. I used to be a prostitute. I used to be a stripper. I can't then go tell a sister she have to be modestly dressed. See? Yeah, you know, I believe in God, but I can't tell nobody all the dirt that I done done. It's that shame, brothers and sisters, that shackles you to actually becoming with the Most High the destiny, accomplishing the destiny that the Most High have made you for. That's what happens. I I can't do that. I I mean, I I can read for myself, but I can't share it. I I was a fornicator. I can't then go tell brothers, you know, we got to follow the Bible. They know I was a fornicator. See? If you confess your sins... Nobody can hold that against you, brothers and sisters. And if they do, then, hey, that's on them. You can't bring up something that the Father forgave. Who are you? This is what happens, brothers and sisters. That that shame, that guilt, acts as a shackle to keep us away from our destiny. Brothers and sisters, we're going to read that one more time. Verse 7, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with song of deliverance. Examine that, brothers and sisters. Our hiding place when we're ashamed, when we feel guilt, is in the Most High God, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. We're going to Matthew 11 and 28. Paralyzed by the past. This is Christ. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Read that again. Come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, there's rest in the Most High. There's rest in Christ, brothers and sisters. Those of you who labor and are heavy laden, guilt, shame, I will give you rest, Christ says. There's only one place to hide that offers the protection we seek, where all our shame is covered, brothers and sisters. You don't run from him. You run to him, brothers and sisters. See? Read that again, brother. Verse 28. Come on me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you I'll give you rest. Continue. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn for, of me. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest under your souls. See, you'll find rest coming to Christ. See, because guess what? Once you admit it, once you confess it, you no longer have to spend energy hiding it because you already confessed it. See? See? He said, learn of me. Learn of me. Why? Because he's merciful. He's gracious, brothers and sisters. But it takes you to take the first step and confess whatever it is that you're ashamed of. You confess that to the Father. You repent and you turn away. Brother Joshua, read that again, uh, 11 and 28. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See? So we wanted to show you this, brothers and sisters. You who are ashamed, you who are guilty, and have that shame on you, that self-condemnation, you go to Christ and you can find that rest, brothers and sisters. You that are heavy laden with that guilt, because if you don't go to him, it will crush you. It will break you. Brothers and sisters, 
go to Christ, go to the Father, and you will receive rest. We're going to show you Ecclesiasticus 51 and 29, brothers and sisters. We're going to the Apocrypha. Ecclesiasticus chapter 51 and 29. Ecclesiasticus 51 verse 29. Let your soul rejoice in his mercy. Read that again. Let your soul rejoice in his mercy and be not ashamed of his praise. Examine this, brothers and sisters. We exemplify humility when we take our guilt before the Most High God because we now are vulnerable to his mercy or lack thereof, brothers and sisters. See, that's where the humility comes from. The Bible tells you over and over again, the Most High is merciful in His judgment when there's accountability. If you can be accountable, then now we can give you mercy. But you, how can you get mercy when you're not accountable? Why would somebody show you mercy when there's no accountability? <laughs> so don't let, your sh don't let your guilt and shame restrict you from your destiny, brothers and sisters. Why? Because the Most High uses the most flagrant of sinners as his best instruments of righteousness. We're going to go into some of the, the key characters in scripture and show you how they had sin, how they transgressed the law, and still the Most High utilized them to accomplish a great work that they were unworthy of. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time. Ecclesiasticus 51 verse 29. Let your soul rejoice in his mercy and be not ashamed of his praise. See? So now... Let's go. We're going to show you Moses. Moses sinned, brothers and sisters. Moses transgressed. Yet the Most High used him for a great work. But see, if you, if you allow your shame, your guilt to hinder you, how can the Most High utilize you, brothers and sisters? We're going to Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Exodus 2, verse 11. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown... That he went out into, the, into his brethren, and looked out and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. Moses was grown, brothers and sisters. It says he went out unto his brethren, the Hebrews, the Israelites, uh, and saw what he saw an Egyptian smiting one of our people. And what happened? And when he looked, and when he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man. He slew the Egyptian. He did what? He slew the Egyptian. Have you ever done something that doesn't reflect who you are, brothers and sisters? <laughs> See? So you have to be in the mindset of, I did what they say I did, but I'm not who they say I am. Read that again, brother. Verse 12. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Moses was a murderer, brothers and sisters. See? And he still let our people out of Egypt. So if you don't take your guilt and shame before the Most High, it will act as a restraint to your purpose, brothers and sisters. So Satan tries to use feeling guilty about our past failures to divert us from our destiny, brothers and sisters. Moses was a murderer. And the Most High still used him to show you that your past can be a catalyst to your future, brothers and sisters. But if you allow that shame to restrict you and you try to conceal yourself, to hide yourself from the Most High, how can he use you? You can be stopping your own destiny, brothers and sisters. The Most High had mercy on Moses. In fact, he thought very highly of Moses, even though his transgression. We're going to show you that. Go to Exodus 33 
and 11, Brother Joshua. Exodus 33, verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. Read that again. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. Examine this. Moses was a murderer, brothers and sisters, and the Most High saw fit to speak to him like Brother Joshua and I are speaking now. Read that again, brother. Verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, Departed not out of the tabernacle. To show you this, Moses spake face to face with the Most High. So we wanted to show, we wanted to magnify the Most High God calls each of us, no matter what we've done, no matter who we are, to manifest His glory, brothers and sisters. See? Now think about how unqualified and inadequate Moses felt, brothers and sisters. Yet, in the end, the Most High used him very mightily through his obedience to the call upon his life. Why? Because he knew that he deserved death himself. See? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. Even though he murdered brothers and sisters. See? So each of us has good reason to feel inadequate. But our inadequacy is more than compensated by his adequacy, brothers and sisters. The Most High makes or takes the unqualified and gives them a platform of significance to show how big and powerful he is, brothers and sisters. See, it's really not about you. It's more about him. Your past can be a testimony or it can be a jail cell. It can be a prison, brothers and sisters. How do you want to use it? The Bible tell you that you need a renewed mind. There's power in a renewed mind, brothers and sisters. Your past is a testimony, not a prison, brothers and sisters. We're going to go... To show you someone else, a, a major figure in the Bible. Who? David, King David, brothers and sisters, who was guilty of breaking half of God's commandments. And yet, <laughs> he's one of the mightiest men, one of the most, one of the, 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 the most um, famous out of all the characters in the Bible. Same man that slew Goliath. People who don't even read the Bible know King David. We're going to show you. King David had transgression, brothers and sisters. We're going to 2 Samuel 11. Follow us, brothers and sisters. 2 Samuel 11. We're going to read verse... Uh, excuse me. Uh, 2 Samuel 11. We're going to read 2 through 4. 2 Samuel 11, verse 2. And it came to pass in an... Evening tide. At the evening time, brothers and sisters, that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the, the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. He did what? He saw a, a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. So, first sin. You're not supposed to look after a woman to lust after. That's the first sin. Continue. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this... Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. The what? The wife of Uriah the Hittite. The what? The wife of Uriah the Hittite. So here we go. First, and brothers and sisters, what did he do? First, he looked after a woman to lust after, which is a sin. That's adultery. Number two, he coveted another man's wife. See? Read the next scripture, brother. Verse four. And David sent messengers and took her. And she came unto him, and he lay with her. 
for she was purified from her unclean, uncleanliness, and she returned unto her house. And he, it says, and he laid with her. So now he have now taken a man's wife, brothers and sisters, had an illicit affair, committed adultery, <laughs> brothers and sisters. This was David. This was David, brothers and sisters. Read verse 14 and 15, brother. Verse 14. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Je Job, Joab. Joab, and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter, saying, Set Uriah in the, front, in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. Examine his brothers and sisters. Now... <laughs> Now he's setting up Uriah to be murdered. He said, listen, put him in the hottest battle on the front line. So examine this. He's coveted the man's wife. He's looked it after her to lust after her. He's laid down with the man's wife. And now he's having the man murdered, brothers and sisters. See? So David was what? He was a powerful man who abused his power to sleep with another man's wife. And he got her pregnant, brothers and sisters. And out of fear of exposing his wickedness, he tried to hide behind a cover-up, brothers and sisters. If you know the story, we're not going to go into the full story, but it turned murderous. He tried to get uh, Uriah drunk and send him home <laughs> so Uriah would lay with his wife and believe that he got his wife pregnant. So look at this. David broke half of the laws <laughs> in the Bible, brothers and sisters. Read uh, chapter 12, verse 9, brother. Samuel 12, verse 9. Wherefore hast thou des despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Examine that, brothers and sisters. He had a man killed. He had Uriah killed, a man who fought in his army, who fought for David. Examine this, brothers and sisters. An adulterer, a fornicator, a liar, a thief, a murderer. See? Examine this, brothers and sisters. See? So all everybody have a past, brothers and sisters. Everybody has a past. Are you going to allow your past to shackle you? Are you going to allow Satan to play war on your mind and say, you ain't worthy? You ain't worthy. And truth is, you're not worthy. But the work is not for the glorifying of you. It's for the glorifying of him. See, that's where you have to get your eye off. Get your eye off you and put your eye on him. Because he can still use you to do his work. It's not about you. <laughs> We're going to show you 1 Kings 15 and 5. 1 Kings 15 verse 5. Because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Read that again. Because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, saved only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Examine that, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Examine this. David was still viewed as righteous in the eye of the Most High God. See, so what's in a man's heart is the true measure of his character, even when there's stains, brothers and sisters. See, so yeah, he, he had a past, but that past led him to be right and righteous in every other facet of his life. In fact, he was he was too merciful on some occasions, brothers and sisters. Why? 
because he knew that stain that he had in his past, brothers and sisters. So King David is proof that the Most High uses sinners for great things, brothers and sisters. See? Now, we're not telling you this to say, okay, go do as much dirt as you want to do, knowing it's wrong, and God will use you. That's not what we're saying. We're saying those of us who have a past that we're not living in in the present, that we may be ashamed of, that may be restricting us, that may be shackling us from moving forward in life, moving forward closer to the Most High God. The Most High would like to use you as an instrument of righteousness. And if you allow Satan to make you believe you're unworthy, then there's somebody who may not receive the truth based on your shame, based on you making it all about you. You're just one pawn in the in this whole chess game, brothers and sisters. Yeah, you got stains. Repent and let the Father utilize you. Don't be constricted. Don't be restricted. Don't be imprisoned by your past, brothers and sisters. We need to show you that there was many men in the Bible that were heinous and flagrant sinners with much iniquity. And the Most High utilized them. We're going to go to Acts 13 and 22. Acts 13, verse 22. And when he was removed, and when he had removed him, he raised up on up on of them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony, and said, What did he say? I have found David, the son of Je Jesse, a man after my own heart. A what? A man after my own heart. Which shall fulfill all my will. Examine this. Even though his transgression, the Bible said David was a man after the Most High's own heart, who would fulfill his will. So look at this. He would use David, an adulterer, a fornicator, a murderer, a liar, a thief, to fulfill his will, brothers and sisters. See? So that shows you that failures can shape us into what God wants us to be, brothers and sisters. Many men have said, I learn more through my failures than in my, than my success. Because why? You remember when you failed. You remember when you fell short. And that is used as motivation, as fossil fuel. To never feel that again. See? So you don't need to be the victim. You need to be the victor, brothers and sisters. You have to overcome that spirit of shame. You must confess that spirit of shame because David confessed his sin, brothers and sisters. And once you confess that sin, it unleashes the prison. It breaks the chains, the bounds, brothers and sisters, that hold you down, that press you. That's what happens. You must confess with your mouth, brothers and sisters. You must. Remember, Christ came through who? Came through David. See? Matter of fact, the next scripture I tell you, read, brother. Verse 23. No, read 22 and 23, actually. Verse 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up on them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony, and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God according to his promise Raise unto Israel a Savior, Christ. Examine that. The Savior, Christ, came through the loins of a murderer, a thief, and a fornicator. So who are you to say you cannot be utilized by the Most High God because you got a stain? See? 
When you repent, brothers and sisters, that's it. The door is closed. Now it's time to progress, to move forward. As long as there's contrition there, as long as there's some level of contrition, the Most High can utilize you, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you Abraham transgressed the law, brothers and sisters. And yet, he's the forefather of ours that all the blessings belong to. We're going to Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. To show you that Abraham lied twice about his wife being his sister. Genesis 12, verse 10. And there was a famine in the land. And Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there. Now, brothers and sisters, examine this. This is actually before his name was changed to Abraham. He was still Abram here. Examine this, brothers and sisters. It says it was a famine in the land, so he sojourned to Egypt. What was going on in Egypt? Read verse 10 one more time, brother. Verse 10. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass... When he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai, mm -hmm. his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Examine this. He said, Listen, he's telling his wife, I know you're a beautiful woman. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me. But they will save thee alive. So they'll kill me and keep you. Read. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister. Read that again. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall be alive because of thee. Examine this, brothers and sisters. Examine this. He said, listen, they're going to kill me, Sarai. Sarah, he, they're going to kill me and keep you. So this showed what? That he had no faith. He had fear and no faith in the Most High God here at this particular time and point. And he lied. So he was a liar too. And the story tells you that when you go down, we're not going to read the full story. But the, the you know Pharaoh actually entreated her, brought her to the house, and he was cursed, brothers and sisters. He gave her back like, listen, why did you lie to me? Get her and get out. <laughs> so even when he couldn't protect himself or his wife, the Most High protected him. But we went here to show you what? The Most High uses ordinary people for extraordinary things, brothers and sisters. He knew Abraham's struggle would produce great growth in faith. A man who had no faith at one time, right? See, he uses imperfect people for his perfect plan. That shows his power. That shows the Most High's power, brothers and sisters. Abraham lied. And this also shows you that the Israelites... <laughs> Our people, our women are way more beautiful than other nations, brothers and sisters. They always know that. The Bible tells you that. Nobody more beautiful than our sisters, brothers and sisters. That's why they always try to show our women in a harlot, you know, under the spirit of a harlot, loud and, you know, showing their body off and, uh, you know, uh, stiff neck. This is why. Because they know our women are very favorable, brothers and sisters. That's why they couldn't wait. To use our women as bed layers, brothers and sisters. Once we went, once we were taken down, they couldn't wait. The Bible tell you that even Abraham had fault, brothers and sisters. Abraham had fault, and yet we're blessed. His children, his descendants, the children of Israel, are blessed through this man's loins. See, he uses imperfect people for his perfect plan. We're gonna go to Jonah now. 
What are we doing here? What we're doing is showing you the many men that had transgression in their past that was still utilized to accomplish a great thing. We're going to Jonah chapter 1 verse 1, brothers and sisters. We're going to read 1 through 4. Jonah 1 verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came on to Jonah the son of Amadi, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Right, he told, listen, he told Jonah, get up. I want you to go prophesy against Nineveh. Continue, brother. But Jonah rose up to flee on a Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Why does everybody, listen, <laughs> people just try to run away from the Mosai. Like, that's, I mean... Jonah, I mean, looking at this, I'm like, how smart is Jonah? Where are you going to go, bro? <laughs> where are you going to go, you know, out of the presence of the Most High God? Where, where is this going to happen at? Read verse 3 again, brother. Verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee on a Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it. To go with them on a Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So listen, he found a, a boat going in the opposite direction. <laughs> Said, I'm gonna go, I'm you know, I'm gonna pay the fare, throw my luggage on, I'm going this way. Continue. Verse four. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. So examine this, brothers and sisters. Jonah has been flagrantly disobedient to the most high God. Go to verse ten, brother. Verse 10, Then were the man exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Read verse 17, uh, excuse me, verse 15, brother. Verse 15, So they took up Jonah, and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Right, so they cast Jonah into the sea, and the, the hurricane subsided. subsided. Verse 17. Verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So he's now he's been disobedient. He's been thrown off a boat, brothers and sisters, and swallowed up by a fish. We want to show you. Go to verse 2, brother. Uh, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1. Jonah 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. He did what? He prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. He confessed, brothers and sisters. See? He confessed. <laughs> Read that again, brother. Then Jonah, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cry by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. Remember it. When we read earlier, it says, Before my affliction was my disobedience. <laughs> to show you. The disobedience leads to the infliction. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 2. And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell I cried. And thou heardest my voice. When it says the belly of hell, because I know some people use this and say, see, hell is actually in the belly of a whale. No. This is talking about how deep the whale went down. It went all the way down to the bottom, brothers and sisters. So this, this is twofold. You can be in the belly of a beast in the midst of the storm and the most I can deliver you once you accept accountability. See, all oh, hell can be breaking loose, brothers and sisters, and you confess and your father will hear you. Examine that. You're never too far to where you can't be rescued 
from the Most High God. See? Confess. Confession. Read verse 10, brother. Verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish. Once he confessed, what happened? And it vomited out, out Jonah upon the dry land. See? So examine this. Confession is the first step of redemption, brothers and sisters. You can't have a revival without repentance, brothers and sisters. See? Now, Jonah could have said, listen, well, you know, I disobeyed the Most High God. I was, I was you know, I was thrown off a boat. And, uh, you know, I, I asked him for forgiveness, but I can't do no work for him. I was disobedient. You know, I got to take five years away from him so he can... He can, you know, forgive me. It's going to take five years for him to forgive me. Nah, we're going to show you. Go to Jonah 3 and 1. What happened th immediately? Jonah 3, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came on a Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go on to Nineveh. To show you, as soon as he was spit up, vomited, the Most High said, Go. <laughs> See, there was no time in between. The Most High said, You repented, now go. I still have work for you to do because it's not about you, Jonah. It's about me. See? So it's a mistake to suppose that people succeed through success when they often succeed through failures, brothers and sisters. Right away, after he, had, he, he confessed and he was vomited up, the Most High said, go to Nineveh and do what I told you. See? So there is no, the Most High need time, you know, he need time. So, you know, I just got done selling drugs last year. So it's going to take 10 years for me to distance myself from that. Well, I just got off the pole six months ago. You know, I can't really do no work for the most. High. It's going to take a year before I can actually do some work. I need to distance myself from it. No. Arise. Go to Nineveh. Now. Read it again from the top, brother, please. Verse 1. And the word of the Lord came on to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise. Go on an Nineveh. That great city and preach unto it the preachings that I bid thee. Now, this is a couple of things here, brothers and sisters. The Most High's will will always be done. The first time he told Jonah to go, he had opportunity to go. The second time he had to be eaten up by a fish, brothers and sisters. So we wanted to bring that out. The Most High's will will be accomplished. It just matters on what, you know, how much he need to break you before you do it. See? Read verse 2 again, brother. Verse 2. Arise, go on an enemy, that great city, and preach unto it the preachings that I bid thee. See, and he went too. Verse 3 tell you he went. So we wanted to show you that the Most High uses ordinary people in extraordinary ways for a testimony to his grace and glory. He uses flawed people to share hope to a flawed world, brothers and sisters. The Most High didn't call the equipped. He equipped the call, brothers and sisters, to show you right away. So, brothers and sisters, we wanted to show you that you don't need to. There's no set time in which you need to distance yourself from your disobedience to do what the Most High told you to do. He told him as soon as he was vomited. All right, now go for the second time. Now go <laughs> and do what I told you the first time. See, to show you that you can still be utilized, brothers and sisters, once you confess your sin. It's all about that confession, brothers and sisters. Once you show some level of contrition. In repentance, confession, you can be utilized no matter what other people think because that's why we don't do it. We, we're scared of what other people will say because they know who you used to be. Listen, yeah, I used to be that, but I, I used to do that, but that's not who I am. 
You know, in fact, that's a testimony. You know how much dirt I was doing out there. And look at what I'm telling you now. So if God can change me, he can change everybody else because I was the worst one. See, that's the testimony. You have to use this as strength. You must use this as a springboard. Your past is a springboard into your future, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Paul now. We're going to go with, deal with Paul. We know Paul was one of the, you know, have more books in the New Testament than any other disciple. <laughs> and Paul was a flagrant, heinous sinner, brothers and sisters, that was utilized for a great work. We're going to go to Acts 8 and 3, brothers and sisters. We're talking about Saul or Paul. Acts, Acts 8 and 3. Acts 8 verse 3. For Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Examine this, brothers and sisters. Paul persecuted the church. Paul persecuted the church, brothers and sisters. To show you, this reveals the depths of the Most High God's forgiveness. <laughs> he used the man who was responsible, uh, excuse me, who was responsible for destroying, from dismantling the church, throwing our brothers and sisters into prison. Breaking in their houses, wreaking havoc of the church of Christ, brothers and sisters. See, why do we go here to show you those of us who are familiar with Paul's working works? He did a great work, even though before then he was doing what? Read it again. Verse three. As for Saul, he made a havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. See, now go to Acts 26 and nine, brother. To show you, everybody have a past, brothers and sisters. Are you will, will you allow your past to restrict you? Acts 26, verse 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Christ of Nazareth. Examine this. This is Paul. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison. He said, I thought to do many things contrary to Christ. I had a hatred for Christ. I wanted to do everything against Christ. <laughs> Read verse 10, brother. Verse 10. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints that I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against he them. He said, listen, when trial came for these people to be put to death, I was there. <laughs> okay? I gave my testimony to have them destroyed. Continue, brother. Verse 11. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blasphemy and exceedingly mad against them. I persecuted them even on a strange cities. Examine it. This is Paul, brothers and sisters. He said, listen, I had authority of the chief priests, the Pharisees, brothers and sisters. And listen, I had, I, I was able, my word was respected. I gave voice against him. So sh examine this. Christ, uh, Paul received authority from the chief priests, and then he turned around and started following Christ. <laughs> this is why they was going to kill Paul, brothers and sisters. Because hold on, we gave you authority to go against Christ, and now you're, you're furthering his work? <laughs> to show you, brothers and sisters, the power of the Most High God, the depths of his forgiveness, Brothers and sisters, undeserved mercy to be able to use, utilize a flagrant sinner for righteous work, brothers and sisters. And we're going to show you, Paul was called to do a work. He didn't call himself, brothers and sisters. He's already admitted to his persecution, to his blasphemy, brothers and sisters. 
See, to his testimony against the saints. And we're going to show you Paul had a great work and he was called to do so. He didn't turn around and say, okay, after, you know, after I was blinded on the road to Damascus, let me go and, uh, you know, let me go teach the doctrine of Christ now. That's not what happened. We're going to show you. Go to Romans 1 and 1, brother. Romans 1, verse 1. Paul a servant of Christ. Read that again. Paul, a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle. What? Called to be an apostle. What? Called to be an apostle, separated onto the gospel of God. See, Paul was called, brothers and sisters. <laughs> so in other words, Paul was not a self-appointed apostle. He was called. <laughs> it was the most high's idea to transform Saul into Paul and to turn this persecutor of Christ into an apostle of Christ. See, the Most High usually used the worst, the most vile of men. Why? Because he knew they can stand in the face of adversity and not be pumped. Examine this, brothers and sisters. He was called. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle, separated out of the gospel of God. Now, how did this happen? How was this transformation? Where did this take place? We're going to show you. Acts 26 shows you how this transformation took place with Paul because it started with humility. We're going to Acts 26 and 12. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. 26, uh, excuse me, Acts 26 and 12. Acts 26, verse 12. Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priestess at midday, O king, I saw in the way of a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. This is showing you when he was blinded by Christ and when we were all fallen to the earth. So, re actually, read 13 again, brother. Verse, thir verse 13. At midday, O king, I saw the way, the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. See, so he was blinded. Read. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue. To show you that they spoke Hebrew. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Examine that, brothers and sisters. Now, did Paul persecute Christ? No, he didn't. But that shows you what? That shows you if you go against Christ, you go against the Most High. Or if you go against his people, you're going against him. See? See, examine that, brothers and sisters. He didn't persecute Christ himself, but if you persecute those who follow Christ, it's like you persecuting Christ himself. Read that again, brother, verse 14. Verse 14. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for, thy, for thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 15. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Christ whom thou persecutest, but rise and stand up upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. See? To make thee a minister. To do what? To make thee a minister. To do what? To make thee a minister and a witness, both of the things that which, both of the things which are thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. Examine his brothers and sisters. <laughs> 
This is showing you the power. The Most High caused the worst sinners. One encounter with the Most High God can change the direction and course of any individual. Read verse 16 again, brother. Verse 16. But arise, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of the things which thou hast seen and of the things which, in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and inherit among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. To show you, examine this, brothers and sisters. He used Paul, a man who persecuted Christ. Christ blinded him and said, get up, <laughs> okay, and go minister. Examine this, brothers and sisters. All of us have something that we think disqualifies us from being utilized by the Most High God. But guess what? The Most High not paying you to think. You just follow his orders, brothers and sisters. Because why? Your thoughts are not his thoughts. See? So, once they saw Paul coming back, that showed the power. Why did he use Paul? Because Paul was a Pharisee. So, he had knowledge of the law. Nobody could contend with Paul. He was the most educated out of the disciples, brothers and sisters. He was a Pharisee, so he knew the law. So he knew that nobody could contend with him because they were using, they were coming at Christ saying Christ was telling people to break the law. So he used Paul, one of the most vile men, one of the most educated as it pertains to law, and sent him and said, listen, now go minister and witness these things that what you've seen and what I will show you. And what, when it says those things which will appear to thee, there's a document, there's a record called the the Apocalypse of Paul, which goes into what Paul seen when he was blinded, brothers and sisters. It goes into hell and and amongst the other things. It's very uh <laughs> if you see if you read that record, brothers and sisters, it will it would change how you see hell for sure. But we wanted to show you that Paul was utilized right away. After he was done persecuting, he was blinded and told to go. And you must be obedient immediately because delayed obedience is disobedience. See, it could have been last month that you just stopped doing it. The Most High saying, go and share the word. Tell them that you're delivered. Show them. Show them who you used to be and who you now are. Show them your testimony. And don't give me an excuse to say, well, that was just... Six months ago, I was doing that. I can't now go back to my family and say I can't sell, celebrate Christmas. I was just celebrating it last year. See, you worried about the wrong things. He knows you were celebrating it last year. And this year, you're not. See, that's what happens. Well, I can't tell, you know, tell my girlfriend that I'm not celebrating, uh, you know, Valentine's Day. We just celebrated it for 10 years straight. Listen, you have new knowledge. You're following me now. Go. Don't try to use what you did in the past as an excuse to not go forward. See? Brothers and sisters, follow us to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that, many, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. Examine that. God never uses the people you would expect him to use. See? It says, look at your calling. How not many wise men, not many mighty men, not many nobles are the ones that's called. 
Read that again, brother. Verse 26. For you see your calling. Brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. See? Not the educated, not the ones with 24 degrees. <laughs> right? Not the ones with all the money. Not the ones that are the most popular. Examine this. Read. But God has chosen the foolish things in the of the world to confuse the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Examine that, brothers and sisters. God doesn't need you to be qualified. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called, brothers and sisters. It says he's chosen the foolish things of the world to confuse or confound the wise. He's chosen the weak things of the world to confound those with strength. Examine this, brothers and sisters. Read verse 28, brother. Verse 28. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yeah. And things which are not to bring to not things that are. that are. Examine this. See? So examine this, brothers and sisters. Look at Paul. Paul was a zealot or a zealot who was actively persecuting believers for their faith. <laughs> See? So this to show you, brothers and sisters, this shows you this is it's all for the glory of the most high, brothers and sisters. This is all for the glory of the most high God. Read, brother. Verse 28. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yeah. And things which are not to bring to not things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ, who of God has made on us of wisdom, of us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. See, so brothers and sisters, Paul's story was a story of redemption and transformation, and proof that God uses the most unlikely people to accomplish His will. That magnifies His power, brothers and sisters. See, so don't allow your Pass to paralyze you, brothers and sisters. Go to First Timothy one and fifteen, brother. First Timothy one, verse fifteen. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Examine this. This is Paul, brothers and sisters. See. This is how Paul became called because he expressed his humility by admitting his unworthiness. Read that again, brother. Verse 15. For this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. See, he said, I'm the chief sinner. I'm exactly who Christ came to save. I'm the worst sinner. I'm the biggest sinner. I'm the head sinner. See, read the next scripture, brother. Verse 16. How be it for this cause I obtained mercy. Examine that. See, the humility came, the accountability came, then the mercy. <laughs> See, that's why Satan wants you to run away and hide. Because he knows the Most High is righteous and will show mercy if you're accountable and humble before his face. Read that again from the top, brother. Verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of who I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Christ might show forth all long suffering, for a pattern to them which should 
hereafter believe on him to everlasting exactly. to everlasting. Read that one more time, brother, verse 16. Actually, read it from the top. Verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Examine that. He said he used me to show his long suffering. <laughs> Why? Because they all knew Paul as a murderer. <laughs> as a persecutor of the church. And the Most High didn't strike him dead. He actually, he actually transformed Paul. To show you that God values all people that come to him. Regardless of a sinful past. See? He uses the crooked to straighten out his people. Brothers and sisters. Examine it. He said he might show forth his long suffering as a pattern for them who would look afterwards and say, if he accepted this brother, if he accepted that sister, right? I know he can accept me. See? So there are numerous biblical accounts of those who came from a sinful past who went on to become powerful instruments in spreading the gospel, brothers and sisters. See? To spreading the gospel. See? So you can change. It doesn't matter what nobody else have to say about it. <laughs> Some of you sisters out there listening. <laughs> your ex-boyfriend or, or husband say, I, I know she ain't up in there. I know she ain't up in there. <laughs> right? Yes. That's what called being born again is. See? That's what being born again is. It doesn't matter what somebody saw you do. You did what they say you did, but you're not who they say you are. You may not be where you want to be, but at least you're not where you were. Brothers and sisters, we're going to 2 Corinthians 11 and 30. Please follow us. 2 Corinthians 11 and 30. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 30. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which are which concern mine affirmities. Examine this, brothers and sisters. This is Paul. <laughs> it says, if I need glory, I will glory in the things which concern my infirmities, my past, my shortcomings. See? I will use that to show how far I've come, how powerful the Most High is. See? God uses humble people, brothers and sisters. See? I, I will get glory in what my shortcomings were. See? Yes, I, I was. I was a drug dealer. I stood on the corner. I sold drugs to my own people. Yes, I was a prostitute. I was a fornicator. I was a stripper. And God shook me loose of that satanic behavior. And now I've dedicated my life to the Father. See? See, brothers and sisters? Yes, I was a fornicator. I was an adult world. I watched pornography. I was a... I, I, I smoked ganja. Right? I was a... Uh, you know, I... Um, smoked uh, drugs and now the most I have delivered me to show you the power to show you this is who I was and I can be humble enough to be honest with who I was see that's the that that's the hook right there the hook is that you're honest and forthcoming and transparent with it you didn't try to hide it you were forthcoming with it these are the things I struggled with and the most High delivered me and now he's utilizing me for a great work. 
See? See, brothers and sisters? He gives his toughest tasks to his strongest soldiers. And everybody have a past, brothers and sisters. Don't allow your past to shame you into hiding. Don't conceal it. Confess it. We're going to show you. Another great man who was sinful at one time, but used for a great work. We're going to Aaron. Exodus 32. Moses' brother. Exodus 32, 1 through 4. Exodus 32, verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses de delayed to come down out of the mountain. This is in, during the wilderness. The people gathered themselves together on Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For, for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up of the land of Egypt, we will not is become of him. So they said, listen, make us some gods. Make us two bull calves. We don't know what happened to Moses. He up on the mountain. We don't know what's going on with him. Read. What did Aaron do? Verse 2. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. To show you that we wore earrings, even, you know, the brothers wore earrings even in the Bible. Because I know some people try to say, well, you know, that's not in the Bible when obviously, you know, and now our people use it as a fashion statement, but we're just showing you the historical context of it. Read verse three, read verse two to show you what he said again. Verse two, and Aaron said unto them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons and of your daughters and bring them on to me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them on Aaron. And they received them at their hand, and fashioned it with a graving with a graving tool. And did what? And fashioned it with a graving tool. After he made it a molten calf, and they and they said, "This be thy gods, O Israel." Which brought thee out, out of the land of Egypt. So examine this. <laughs> Aaron has just now fashioned golden calves, brothers and sisters. He's now fashioned golden calves while Moses is up on the mount, brothers and sisters. <laughs> now, subsequently to this, let's see what's happening. Subsequent to this, Moses fashioning an idol. Go to Exodus 28 and 1. This is going on subsequently. This is going on simultaneously, rather. Exodus 28, verse 1. And take thou unto thee er, the heir and thy brother. Read that again. And take thou unto thee heir and thy brother. Read that again. And take thou unto thee heir and thy brother, and his sons with him, from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Examine his brothers and sisters. <laughs> So simultaneously, the Most High is electing Aaron and his children to become the priest of Israel. <laughs> so even in spite of Aaron's, Aaron's flagrant transgression, the Most High saw fit to designate him as high priest over the Most High's flock. Now, listen, <laughs> Moses had been gone a few days and Aaron had now... <laughs> Made a whole different God. I wouldn't have hired Aaron to put stamps on an envelope, brothers and sisters. The Most High said, no, I want Aaron. See? He wanted to elect someone who was so conscious of his own sins that he would be a merciful 
understanding, righteous servant in judgment, brothers and sisters. See? Because Aaron know what he did. Therefore, he would be righteous. He would be merciful in judgment as a priest. <laughs> he wouldn't be judgmental or self-righteous. So, see? So, he will use us despite our flaws and our failures, brothers and sisters. At the same time, he's electing Aaron and his children to be priests. <laughs> see? We need to show you that, brothers and sisters. The Most High knew what he was getting when he got you. Okay? Don't, elect, don't, don't be paralyzed by your past, brothers and sisters. Be motivated by your past. Be fueled by your past, but not paralyzed. We're going to go to Peter now. Let's see. Let's go to Peter now. Let's go to Peter. Let's see what Peter did. Was Peter perfect? We're going to see. Let's go to Matthew 16 and 16. What's the gospel? I know it's a rather long lesson, brothers and sisters, but a lot of us have a rather long <laughs> past. We have a rather long, uh, <laughs> you know, we have a rather long rap sheet. <laughs> Matthew 16, verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Christ answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon. Or Jonah. Now we know this is... Continue. For, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now this is Peter, brothers and sisters. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Read that again. And upon my rock I will build this church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he said on Peter, he would he build his church, brothers and sisters. So Peter... He would build his church on Peter. The foundation would be Peter. Read the next scripture. Verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Read that again. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be lost in heaven. Brothers and sisters, whatever, whatever he loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What is he giving them power over? He's giving them power to bind demons and to loose uh, demons, brothers and sisters. He's giving them the keys to the kingdom of heaven, which means anybody who would like to do the work during this time using the doctrine of Christ would have to come through Peter. Peter had the keys into the kingdom. So Paul and everybody else would have to come through Peter. Examine this. He said, Peter, I will use you to build my church. You will be the rock. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Why? Because I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Examine this, brothers and sisters. He's given Peter the keys. Now, go to Matthew 26 and 31. Remember, Peter had the keys. Matthew 26, verse 21. 31. 31. Then said Christ unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written... I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Now, before his resurrection, he gave directions to the disciples and said, Listen, everybody, all the disciples will be offended because of me. Read. Verse 32. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I 
never be offended. He said, I would never be offended, Father, uh, uh, Christ. Christ said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. So he's telling me, before the cock crow, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. <laughs> Peter said, listen, I would never be offended. I would never deny you. Christ said, listen, <laughs> you're going to deny me three times. See? So Peter declared that he would never leave Christ. <laughs> but later, out of fear for his life, he denied three times that he even knew Christ. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, you're going to find out. See? So he had no idea how weak he really was, brothers and sisters. But the Most High knew what he was getting when he got us. See? Now, he's already given Peter the keys. So the same man that he's given the keys, he's now telling, you're going to deny me three times. <laughs> Examine this, brothers and sisters. Examine this. I'm going to show you. Go to Matthew 26 and 69. Matthew 26, verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the pla in the palace, and a damsel came up unto him, saying, Thou also was with Christ in Galilee, Christ of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. He's saying, Listen, here go the first time. Somebody said after they delivered Christ up, a woman came and said, He he's one of them too. He said, I don't know who that is. Read verse seventy one. And when he was gone out of the port into the porch, another maid saw him, and said unto them that were there, This fellow is also with Christ of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. After and after So he said, I swear I don't know this man. And after a while came on to him they that stood by, and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them. For thy speech be wary thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. So he began to curse. He's like, I don't know that. Listen, <laughs> he was cussing now. He's cussing and swearing. I don't know that. Okay? Look at this. This is the man that, get, that Christ gave the keys, brothers and sisters. Now Christ already knew he was going to do this. <laughs> See? So when Christ chooses us to be his disciple, he's already foreseen our future failures, brothers and sisters, and our past. See? So you need to examine that, brothers and sisters. We need you to examine that. He gave the keys to one that denied him three times, thrice. Go to John 21 and 15, brothers and sisters. Go back. We're going to stay in the gospel. John 21, verse 15. This is after he's already denied him. So when they had dined, Christ said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lamb. Examine this. After he's already denied him, he said, Do you love me? He said, Of course I love you. He said, Feed my lambs. After he's already denied him. Read, brother. Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. Continue. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? 
Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knoweth all things, thou knoweth that I love thee. Christ said unto him, Feed my sheep. Now, brothers and sisters, he asked him, Did he love him more than the others? So examine this. He allowed Peter to confess his love for every wretched denial that he made on that dreadful night, brothers and sisters. See? So that's amazing grace. See? So failure was to be left behind, brothers and sisters. There was kingdom work to do. Examine this. His guilty conscience would fuel him to be tremendously dedicated even unto death, brothers and sisters. Read, brother. Verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdlest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. So he's telling him it's a future of him being imprisoned and being killed, brothers and sisters, in a painful way. See? Read, brother. Verse 19, this spake he, signifying by what death he should be glorified, by he should glorify God. And when he, when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. See, see, so now he will be fueled to be obedient, even with prison, imprisonment f- facing him, even with a, a despicable death in the face because of his denial That was fuel, brothers and sisters, see? So Christ said, listen, you're going to deny me. You're going to have to deny me. Because how if if Peter didn't deny him, we wouldn't have the gospel today. Peter was the rock, see? See, so his guilty conscience would fuel him to be tremendously dedicated, even unto death, and Christ knew this. Peter's denial would drive him into incredible obedience, see? So the Most High is in the business of using people who have failed. Examine that, brothers and sisters. See? So after he already asked him, or he, he, he made a proclamation that he would deny him, and he did. He came to him. This part is called the restoration of Peter. He allowed him to confess himself and said, go feed my sheep. Even though you denied me, I knew you would do that. I knew your shortcomings. I knew your failure. Feed my sheep. See? Because it's really about the sheep. It's not even about you. <laughs> The vessel is less important. It's the sheep that he's trying to get to. He could use rocks. The Bible tells you he can raise up stones to be the children of uh, Abraham. See? So it's less about who he's utilizing and more about who he's trying to gain. We're going to show you from guilt to gratitude, brothers and sisters. Go to Luke 7 and 37. We're going to stay in the gospel. Luke 7, verse 37. And behold... A woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Christ sat at, at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. An alabaster of ointment, this is anointing oil. And stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and had wiped them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. She began to bathe his feet with her hair. Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known 
who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Examine this. The Pharisees said, if he was a prophet, he would have knew this woman is a vile sinner. Read. And Christ answered, said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, and one owed five hundred pence, and the other fifty. Two creditors, one owed a hundred pence, five hundred pence, and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? He's forgiven two creditors, one of five hundred pence and one of fifty. He said, I've forgiven them both. Which one will love me most? Read. Simon answered, verse 43, Simon answered and said, I suppose that he whom he forgave the most, and he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. Examine this, brothers and sisters. See, those who love him most are those who know they've been forgiven for most. See? So it's the most vowed sinners that become the most obedient. Why? Because they did so much dirt that they've been forgiven for. The undeserved mercy. See? To whom sin more, love more, brothers and sisters. Examine this. Those who were the most flagrant sinners are typically the most obedient servants, brothers and sisters. See? God uses failures in life to bring us, to, or to bring about a tremendous success. He uses unlikely people to accomplish great things. I need you to examine this. I need you to start back at 41. Take your time. Verse 41. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence, and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. See, we know that the love of the Most High is obedience. The people who were the most vow in the world, brothers and sisters, become the most obedient because they've been forgiven for much. See, and people look at you and say, he's just, he just too righteous. He won't even touch no pork. He won't even come to the Christmas gathering. Listen, you don't know what that man been through. You don't know what that woman been through. You don't know what type of dirt they done done in the most high and saved them. That's why they've been obedient like that. See, that's why they've been obedient like that. Those who were the most vile, the most flagrant and heinous become the most obedient. Read, brother, verse 44. Verse 44. And he turned to the woman and said on assignment, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gave me no water for my feet. But yet she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Continue. Thou gave me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in have not seized to kiss my feet. So he's showing you, this woman's a greater sinner than you, and look at how much further she's willing to go to please me. <laughs> See? It's usually those who really wasn't that bad in the world. You know, they didn't follow his laws, but they was just, you know, eh. They're just, eh, a lot of times when it comes to following the Most High, too. Because, really, they did no dirt out there. They don't really feel like, you know, he didn't really save me for anything. I just was, you know, I wasn't the worst. I was just doing my thing. But it's those who was in prison. It's those who was swinging up and down the poles. It was those who was the drug dealers. It was those that was the fornicators. It was those that have been forgiven most 
that have become the most obedient. Read, brother. Verse 46. My head with oils thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my, my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved me much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. See, examine that. See, those who have least to be forgiven for, loveth him the least. <laughs> See? So don't let your shame bring on a spiritually induced paralysis, brothers and sisters. See? This is why. He says, to those whom are forgiven little, the same loveth little. <laughs> Examine that, brothers and sisters. Examine that. It's those who are the worst out there in the world that become the best servants. They go over, above, and beyond to please God. Because why? They worked for Satan so good. They feel compelled to work that much better for the Most High God. See, don't allow your past to paralyze you, brothers and sisters, because it's your past that's going to lead you to be obedient. See, we're going to Romans 3 and 23. We're rounding down here. Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Read that again, brother. For all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned, brothers and sisters. We all have failed to properly honor the Most High as He deserves. Well, it's not a person alive, <laughs> whether they're a preacher, a teacher, or an elder. We've all sinned. And that haven't stopped them. Should it stop you? Read it again, brother. Verse 23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, so first you must acknowledge that we've all sinned, brothers and sisters. Don't allow that sin to paralyze you and put concrete on your feet to where you can't finish this race. We're going to Isaiah 1 and 18. Isaiah 1 verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Brothers and sisters, he said our sins are like scarlet, but they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing to, if you be willing and obedient. If you be willing and obedient, brothers and sisters, your sins, which are scarlet, can be made white as snow. So what is this telling you? This is telling you you can't have a revival without repentance. See? It's not what you've done. It's your arrogance. It's your inability to admit what you've done. <laughs> that brings on that shame. That, that's a, like a burden. See, brothers and sisters? Uh, repentance. Accountability. Responsibility. See? Go to Acts 2 and 38, brother. Acts 32. Acts 2 and 38. Acts 2 and 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized. Read, every read that again. Verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ, for the remission of, your, of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Examine that, brothers and sisters. See? No matter what your past is, you hit that water. 
You get fully submerged in that water. And when you come out, your sins have been forgiven, brothers and sisters. Water is a spiritual liquid that cleanses, brothers and sisters. See? doesn't matter what your past is. If you go through that water, you have been cleansed. He said, your sins are crimson, but they shall be white as wool, white as snow. How is that? You must be cleansed. See? Repentance. Come through baptism. Baptism is a humbling process. Because that's you admitting before the world that you're a sinner. Just like everybody else. Read that again, brother. Verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, examine that. So those of us with the filthy past that feel ashamed, that's your call to repentance. That's your call to baptism, brothers and sisters, to cleanse yourself. That's, it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you've done. You hit that water as a sign of humility, repentance, and contrition. Go to Philippians 3 and 13, brother, New Testament. Follow us, brothers and sisters. We're almost done. Philippians 3, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forget those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Forgetting those things which are behind. Quit remembering what God has forgotten, brothers and sisters. Once you hit that water, your sins have been forgiven. They've been forgotten. Don't be weighed down by something you've already been forgiven for. You have to admit it first. You must, uh, you must confess it. You must go through the water first for it to be forgotten, brothers and sisters. No matter what you were, no matter what you've done, that water is significant of repentance and humility. The water, no matter what you've done, no matter who you were, that water will cleanse you, brothers and sisters. The water will cleanse you. Go to Hebrews 8 and 12, brother. Hebrews 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Once you go through that water, brothers and sisters, your sins, your iniquities will no longer be remembered, brothers and sisters. Don't be handcuffed by your past. Confess your past. Be fully submerged in living water and turn away. Go forward, brothers and sisters. Don't be paralyzed by your past. I'm going to close it at Proverbs 4 and 23. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Read that again. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Examine that. Your thoughts, brothers and sisters, produce attitudes. Your thoughts produce attitudes. Your attitude determines your altitude, brothers and sisters. See? And we know Satan is looking to attack your mind, attack your heart. So our thinking needs to change. You can't be pitiful and powerful at the same time. Your past utilized correctly can be a catalyst to your destiny, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was paralyzed by the past. We hope you can utilize these scriptures that were presented today, brothers and sisters, to learn how to use your past as fuel 
for obedience into the future, brothers and sisters. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.